includes the staff at Coral School in Hazelbrook in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. At Coral, the staff utilise an open dialogue network as the key tool for creating opportunities for students and their families to own the process of supporting behaviour change. The team describe the process that they use and the ways in which they include the student and encourage the student to really have a voice within the planning process. I think you will find that this team approach using the Open Dialogue Network is thoughtful, relationship-based and is both provocative and practical in supporting the wide range of students at their school. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today, I've got the pleasure of speaking to staff um, and a parent from Coral School in Greater Sydney's beautiful Blue Mountains in Hazelbrook. I'd like to introduce you to the team. Um, uh, I'd like to introduce Barbara Fitzgerald, who's the principal of Coral. Morning, Barb. Morning, Sue. Uh, Sarah Farrell Whelan, who is the uh, will be wellbeing coordinator at Coral. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you. And Beck Finch, who is the deputy principal at Coral. Good morning, Beck. Good morning, Sue. And Jess Somerville, who is both the executive assistant and a parent at Coral School. Good morning, Jess. Good morning. Today we're talking about uh, your school and how you have developed approaches to support students who have challenging behaviour. And I was particularly interested when I spoke to you that you are uh, developing an open dialogue network as the basis for your approach to supporting students who have both challenging behaviours and mental health issues. Could you tell me a little bit about the open dialogue network? Sure, thanks Sue. Um, well, it fits very comfortably in our school and within our philosophy. Um, from its foundation years, Coral has always worked within circles and has placed the child um, at the centre of conversations around the child, but it didn't place the child in the conversation so much. Um, what we found was, as Sarah has said, beautiful conversations happening where parents and teachers were talking about the child um, and very compassionately about the child and what they were seeing and trying to get to the bottom of it, but the child wasn't necessarily within that conversation. Yeah, so the, the idea is that you're bringing uh, the social network of a young person together. So in a school context, that's bringing anyone who is a resource to the child together to meet, to talk. Um, so rather than having many conversations uh, separately, we bring everyone together to have the one conversation. And the idea is that people don't enter the space with an agenda. Uh, so the agenda is kind of held uh, more lightly uh, and we actually speak together. And the idea is to open up the dialogue in the space and hear from the child and the parents and the teachers and others working services that might be supporting the young person um, and actually make a plan from what comes of that meeting rather than have a plan organised before or after that it is organically grown out of that time together. Um, so that's been a, a learning for us coming together and thinking about how we can hold hold our ideas of what should happen um, or solutions um, a little bit more lightly and let it actually come from the student. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it practically works in the school. 
Okay, and there are a couple of things that you said there that, that resonate. One is that uh, we often have solutions, but until we've really gathered appropriate information and heard from all parties, um, the solutions are very one-sided. And if we're going to have lasting impact, the solutions need to be uh, something that is consistent and, and supported by all parties involved. So that's um, really exciting to hear that. Yes, yeah, so while Sarah was saying that, you know, we enter those meetings without an agenda, we also enter those meetings with our own professional knowledge and toolkit. So we don't have the plan organised for the student, but we certainly have all of the things that we know are possible within the school context and all of the things that we know um, how to implement. So there's sort of, I, I feel like I go into those meetings with the possibilities and knowing having to hold that professional understanding of uh, what we are looking for in a school and for this student and from that the plan um, evolves with everyone else's input as well. And Sue, taking it back to your um, stimulus question really of why this approach, it we found we've been using restorative practice um, and with restorative practice you ask what were you thinking at the time you know, what do you need to do to make things right? And through that process, there was um, identified the need for a bigger conversation than just, you know, five simple questions that are being asked. And for the child to really feel that actually we genuinely care about you. Um, this isn't a Band-Aid quick fix. This is, we have an investment in you as a student in this school and as a person that we are um, holistically educating mm -hmm. and and it takes some people a long time to trust that process, that that's actually what we mean. We're not just walking in with policies and procedures and therefore the discipline that follows through with that. We have that behind us, but we are open to whatever comes out of those conversations and what the further need might be that we could provide and or that the wraparound support, the team that's in the space could provide. I think that's a very uh, clear, clear point and a clear summary and that often when we find we have a student who has some particular needs or challenging behaviours, um, the discipline policies can come first when really they, as you said, they need to be um, the maybe underpin in terms of the school's philosophy and approach. But unless we actually address the student need and the function of their behaviour, we're not going to be able to provide um, or develop an appropriate plan of support. I think there is often a, a, a level of defensiveness that families can bring to a situation, particularly if there have been some, some really complex situations occur. And you know, we need to provide a safety, a safe space for families and young people to, to so really be able to, to communicate. That. Yeah, I'd add to that, that often schools enter into the space in a defensive mode. Yes, they do. Uh, Jess, I'd just like to hear your perspective as a parent um, on, you know, how you found that process or what was what was beneficial about it. Yeah, I suppose for me, um, the huge benefit for me and my daughter in engaging in this process was um, the learning that took place for all of us and not just for me and my daughter, but for the, the people supporting her in her school, including her um, her year advisor and the wellbeing support 
um, that we kind of could come together and be curious and learn about what's happening rather than kind of feeling like we were um, aiming towards walking out of there with a full kind of plan in place. And I didn't expect that. Um, I think the other really significant thing that happened for my daughter was that she got to witness the adults in her world be really invested and open to hearing about her experience um, and in being kind of creative, being having a willingness to um, explore solutions. I think that was a really big step for her in um, building trust, knowing that she could come to these people, knowing that they were willing to kind of think outside the box um, and work alongside her rather than kind of tell her this was what was going to happen. That was huge for us. I think that trust um, that you mentioned is absolutely critical and that um, so often young people just feel that people are trying to, aren't really listening to them, are not really um, seeing where their needs are and don't are not interested or invested enough to find out. So I think creating that, that area of safety and communication is, is where it has to start. Really, again, it's it's really is part of that the student feeling that they are in a place of safety and that the 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 issues they have they may not even yet be aware of or be able to express until they are in a in a safe place with somebody who knows how to facilitate well. Uh, and Sue, can I add to that um, in regards to Sarah's skill in holding that space has been really key in supporting the staff to feel safe in that space as well. If you're a teacher and you're used to being the person who is setting parameters and making plans and guiding young people, to be able to step away from that and feel that it's going to be okay, we're going to be able to uh, support the student without being the big controlling adult in the space um, has taken a bit. To, for everyone to learn and I think we still have some learning to go as a whole staff. Just also going from what Jess and Beck were sharing about the facilitation, I think it's about uh, it uh, being a systemic response. Um, so when we come together, it's not focusing on individuals, it's actually saying we're here together um, and our investment, I think that's an absolutely beautiful word to use, is high. Um, so we have a group of people together who want to work together, who are very invested in things changing. Um, and I think that that is the energy, um, not just about the, the quality of how it's facilitated, but that's the energy that actually gives the ability to create a safe space for teachers and for parents. I think really important to that is that the teacher is sitting there as the expert mm -hmm. in the child in the classroom. And the parents aren't experts around that context. Mm. And so that's a really important voice that is placed there. And so sometimes if you can't create that, there is a, you can be at loggerheads because you can be speaking to parents about particular behaviours and they go, but I never see that. Like, that's not my child that you're talking about. So what you've got is that whole story and the child sitting there and 
the you know capacity to reflect on is this is this what it's like for you and it's not yeah well yeah it is like that for me but the other beautiful thing that happens in it is that every one of those people so if we think about the teacher every one of those people in the circle is participating i think one of the one of the things that um is important to promote when we are working as a team from my perspective is the importance of relationships and so that you know what you're discussing and describing is is really both building and solidifying but and then it might come in a different way to the child but the relationships with the child are also really really critical mm. um, for them to feel, feel safe within that space as well um so that that sense of student voice so you were saying Beck that um, sometimes students are uh, when they're younger it's it, it's a sort of a bit of a call about whether or not they're included so you know, how do you make that determination and what sort of what are you looking for and how would you get student voice if they're not perhaps if they are the six or seven year old how, how do you still get their voice yeah, it's different for every child and it's based in conversation with the class teacher and, and Sarah and whoever um, we're looking at bringing together for the network meeting, then we might go, oh, this is going to be really tricky for this child. So um, how about we uh, get them drawing a picture? in the corner with mum um, and just, and Sarah will really gently ask a couple of questions, but really we know the child's sitting there and listening more than able to articulate their feeling. It's still very much about having the student present. And that's a huge thing in building trust. We're not going to have conversations about you without you, um, even if they're not incredibly communicative um, in the moment. Or we might do a kind of preemptive thing. We're going to meet and we're going to talk about what's happening for you at school. Uh, is there anything you want to write about or draw about or anything you want to tell me that we, when you're in that meeting, I can speak to those things for you. Um, just the other day, we had a teenager who, uh, uh, one of our uh, younger people in our high school who we invited to a network meeting and we, you know, we're all just like, yeah, we're going to have this meeting come on along. And he was like, uh, no, I'm not interested in sitting in a room with you to talk about what's happening for me. And so we had to go, oh, okay, actually. So we, um, we sort of met the people that we pulled together and said, we actually don't have the student with us at the moment. Can we, can you give us 10 minutes? And we went and spoke to that student and just said, look, we're going to, you know, we want to just check in about how you're going. What is it that you'd like us to take to that meeting? And so he was happy to talk to us for five or 10 minutes. And then we went and very carefully, you know, only spoke about the things that we had checked in with him about, but everyone was still aware that that's what was happening. So it can be that's, that's so powerful. Yeah. And that one really is, um, you know, that's the first meeting that that student's been involved in, and that's a matter of establishing trust. The conflict he had was with his parents, and his parents were going to be in the meeting. So it's like there's no way you're bringing us together um, because it's volatile at home. So it's the establish the trust here. This is safe. This is what we can do. We will represent your voice. But I firmly have the belief that over time, he will very comfortably sit in those meetings and his voice will be strong. And then the focus of the school also, like we have a big oracy program, um, which is about the spoken word. 
It's good to also note that, you know, there are some students in the school whose ability to tolerate that space, even when there's been lots of these meetings, um, is still, it's really difficult. Um, and so, again, we are totally needs adapted around that. So we can say, can you join us for the first 10 minutes? Yes, I can join you for the first 10 minutes. Or can you join us for the last 10 minutes? Or can you email us? So one student who has uh, a diagnosis of uh, ASD and also anxiety, um, that is her preferred way to be part of those meetings is to sit in the room and listen. So she listens to all of our conversation. We create some sort of idea of some things we could change and we leave them sitting there and then she'll go away and then talk more about it and process it and either email or come back into the school in a few days time and say yes I agree to these things and then we put our plan into place and we'll share it with other people um, so we just kind of keep on being as creative as we can to make sure that their voice is always the last voice so it's it's this process of actually gathering all that information which is so critical yeah. Jess can I just ask um, how your daughter felt about this process how, how she being involved in that way. Yeah, absolutely. She was definitely confronted by it at first. Um, she's a pretty anxious kid and the idea of being in the room with, you know, four or five other adults was felt big and scary for her. Um, and the way that it played out meant that it didn't at any point feel that she was the centre of anyone's, you know, of everyone's attention um, and that there wasn't these big spaces left in front of her to fill. Um, she was able to kind of step in and out of the space really comfortably or to ask me to say things at times where she felt that she couldn't, didn't know how. Um, so I think, you know, it, that, that as an exercise in itself built her capacity um, and her sense of agency and, and made her more comfortable and then, you know, subsequently it's been a lot easier for her to approach those situations. And I think what you pointed out so well in that um, description is that while the student is the centre of our thoughts in that meeting, they're not the centre in terms of being the point, yes. <laughs> in the point or in the, so that they're very much just part of that um, of that team. And I think that a really important part in that is the responding to what's happening in the moment in the space means that you're trauma-focused. It means that you're focused on safety. It means that you're um, strengths-based. It means all of those huge things that we need to be making sure that we're aware of all the time naturally happen. Is there anything, anything that you'd really, any clear, clear messages you'd really like to give to other schools about um, supporting students who've got challenge, challenging behaviours within a school context in terms of um, it could be supporting the family, supporting teachers or supporting the students? I think the one area that it's made a difference for, uh, from my perspective for teachers, is sharing the matter, sharing the child, because we have such committed staff and particularly in primary where they are the one person who is holding that group and feel very responsible for the children and very responsible for the child within the group. Um, and where that's not working, it's the disruption is, um, you know, people are being hurt in some way, um, psychologically, physically, whatever. Um, the teacher can 
feel that they are solely responsible for that and it is up to them and them alone to change that behaviour. What this does is go, no, the school is the responsible party in this and together we are bringing up this child. And that's where we would go, what's the further support that the teachers need? And what we've identified is even more training in working this way is what we need so we can continue to trust and feel comfortable and um, not be afraid that we are a lesser teacher if we can't impact this solely by ourselves. Um, these are what we're seeing are major concerns for children. Our community is, and the community is the parents, the children, the teachers, the other support networks that we have around us. And, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. That's the sort of model that we're working with. Well, thank you all very, very much for your time this morning. I have really, really appreciated it and enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you at Coralwell in the future, the near future, I hope. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you, thank thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.